Hey there, future friends. This week, our bucket list is due soon. Our imaginary friends come back to haunt us. And prison time? Well, I've got a coupon for that. It's the week of September 10th, 2021, and you are listening to episode 216 of Future Flicks with Billiam. everyone welcome to the show you know it's been a week it is a new week and thus we have new movies for you because you should know by now that that's how it works unless you are new if you are new i welcome you to the show thank you for giving it a try and m hey if you chose this week to start listening welcome welcome to the show Some of you, if you are brand new, may be wondering what this show is about. Who is this madman talking to you? What could he possibly have to talk to you about? Well, let me tell you. My name is Billiam. This is Future Flicks with Billiam. Uh, This podcast has been around for a while. Six years now, I believe. And I like to think that with each and every episode I release, I get just a little better. Which is one of the reasons I tell people, hey, you don't have to go back and listen to all the other episodes. Just start listening from here. Uh, Because this is a very topical show. What do we talk about on this topical show? Let me tell you. First, we talk about all the movie news and new trailers that caught my eye since the last episode. I also put the question out to you, saying, hey, I am not perfect. Sometimes I miss stuff. If I ever miss a news story or a trailer that you think I should have talked about, always let me know. Please, always do. Worst case scenario, I saw it, but I'm saving it for next week. And in that case, I would still be stoked because you're reaching out to me and you're saying, hey, what's up? I listened to the show and you missed this. Well, from the news and trailers, we talk about the movies. That's all the movies coming out during the week. And I put them into two categories. Count them one, two. And those categories are as follows. First is the limited release section. That is any non-nationwide release that didn't catch my eye. It doesn't necessarily mean they're bad. It's just that the trailer didn't make me go, wow, you know, I'm interested in watching that. And then after that section, we have the wide releases and interesting indies, which is exactly what it sounds like. Every nationwide release, no matter how good it looks, that does include the major streaming services too. And then... Those indie movies that did catch my eye. I'm pretty sure I mentioned this uh, when I first noticed it, but the pick of the week from a couple months ago, Paper Tigers, is now on Netflix. I haven't watched it yet, but check it out. It's on Netflix. We all have Netflix. Just just check it out. It looks good. Uh, But in the wide releases and interesting indies, I give the movies a score, which I call the Billiams Interest Level Score, and we sing this song and I don't know why. But that score goes anywhere from a zero for those awful, awful films that make me want to claw my eyes out to an 11. Yes, an 11 for those films that turn it up that extra notch. 
Did Somewhat Nerdy steal that from Spinal Tap? Yes, we did. And am I currently the only one using that and running with it? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. And then at the end of the movie segment, I give you the pick of the week, which I say, hey, look, friends, if you do see a movie this week, this film is the best one to watch based not only on quality, but also how good it could be in theaters. That's why if a Marvel movie comes out or another comic book film or a big blockbuster, they do tend to be picks of the weeks because it's exciting to watch those films in theaters. Whereas a great quality indie film will be just as good on the small screen. Well, my friends, let us jump into the first segment, which, as always, is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. You know, I actually don't know how many stories I have this week. Um, Just because I haven't, just because I don't remember me bookmarking too many stories, uh, But first, let's talk about how Shang-Chi has set a box office record and shows the viability of movie theaters in the fall. Hopefully, I added that hopefully. This story comes to us from Den of Geek, written by David Crow. The record it set is that it did really well over the Labor Day weekend. Because I didn't know this, and I should have, and I feel oh so ashamed, but apparently Labor Day weekend signifies the end of the summer blockbuster season, or the summer movie season, and because it is such a big holiday for gatherings and things, it normally doesn't do very well. Uh, a previous winner of the Labor Day opening record was Rob Zombie's awful 2007 Halloween remake, which did $30.6 million 14 years ago. This article also notes that Christopher Nolan's tenant tried to do the same thing last year, but did not uh, do too well. But that's also because we were in the midst of COVID. While we still are in the midst of COVID, more places are opening up, even though they probably shouldn't. But Shang-Chi brought in about $67 with an estimated opening of $85 over the full four days. I'm currently recording this on Sunday the 5th. So if I can remember and I don't finish the show super early, then I will talk about the numbers, probably talk about the official numbers next week, though. But I mentioned that how I'm so, so excited for a lot of movies coming out later this year and how I'm scared that they'll be pushed back again. Uh, You remember you may remember that 2019, I think Ghostbusters was supposed to come out on my birthday and it was pushed back, pushed back, pushed back. Now Ghostbusters is getting ready to come out again. I don't want it to be pushed back again, but it's it's so important that we get this taken care of. If we have to shelter in place more, wear masks more, get vaccinated more just to get this done, then so fucking be it. Let's move on to the next story, which comes to us from the playlist written by Craig Eggerston. Uh, Social media has kind of been abuzz with a look at the new quote-unquote stealth suit from the Aquaman sequel, Jason Momoa in an all-black suit, which kind of makes you think of Superman's black suit, right? Yeah, kind of. But the reactions I've seen, and it could just be based on who I follow, but the reactions I've seen have been mixed. Some people excited but also some people excited for the look, but also saying they won't see it because Amber Heard is still in this. This, of course, to do with the Amber Heard-Johnny Depp case, where Johnny Depp, when allegations of the abuse from Depp to Heard came out, Johnny Depp was basically ostracized. 
and finds it really hard to get work. His movies aren't being picked up. But then once it came out that it went both ways, that she allegedly, got to be careful with my words here, that she allegedly was being abusive back, she saw almost none of the same blowback he did. So she got a record-setting payday, apparently, for this film, and it is making people, me one of them, angry. I will not be seeing this movie. I will not. I will not see anything Amber Heard is in. She is on the list of some of those people that I'm just going to boycott. Like, there have been stories about Kevin Spacey trying to return to work. Uh, I won't see anything he does. I won't see anything Lena Dunham does. Uh, People like that. This next story comes to us from IndieWire's Eric Kahn, or Cohn, something like that. Anyway, it's about Benedict Cumberbatch and his new movie. The title of this article is Benedict Cumberbatch on straight actors playing gay in Power of the Dog. Quote, it wasn't done without thought. So I, I forget if I talked about this movie last week, but I did watch a trailer for it. And it looks like I, I think I did because I called it this weird looking Western that couldn't quite figure out what it was about. Thanks to this article, we know a little more because apparently it's about this like super rough edged, like manly man of a Montana rancher who has to deal with these feelings that he's getting for this young ranch hand played by Cody Smith McPhee. Cumberbatch, of course, has already come under fire for a straight man playing a gay character in the imitation game where he played Turing, mathematician Alan Turing. And I I question this because if you've listened to the show for a while, you know my stance on this, that we need to prioritize representation in movies. We need to prioritize this because the minute we get everyone represented with the minute we get equality or as close to it as we can get, we can realize that it doesn't matter who plays who, as long as it's done with, well, basically with respect. And I don't think we're there yet. I don't think we're at that place yet in Hollywood. So this is a risky move for this director to do. The director for this is Jane Campion, who has, let's see, she has directed... Movies like The Piano, The Portrait of a Lady, Holy Smoke, uh, all from the 90s, Bright Star in 2009. But when the movie comes out, actually comes out, we will see what the consensus is. Because once again, I'm a straight male, so it it's not up to me if this is good representation or not. This next story comes to us from comicbook.com, written by Nicole Drum. Stanley Tucci has revealed that he has cancer. The actor revealed that a tumor was found at the base of his tongue. It was too large to operate on and had to be treated with high dose radiation and chemo. Uh, This is especially difficult for him because he lost his first wife, Kate Spath or Kate Spath Tucci uh, back in 2009 after she died from breast cancer. Oh, it actually looks like the cancer is gone. Uh, Apparently he explained that his cancer isn't likely to come back, but that the disease has taken a toll on him and makes him feel quote older. He said, and I quote, cancer makes you feel more afraid and less afraid at the same time. I feel much older than I did before I was sick, but you still want to get ahead and get things done. In Spider-Man No Way Home news, uh, the IMAX trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home does confirm that that is not Matt Murdock in the scene at the police department. I mean, we knew this, right? I mean, a lot of people knew it, though. Also, a lot of people thought it was Matt Murdock. Like, oh, that's definitely him. But of course, everyone thinks Mephisto is everywhere. 
So not Matt Murdock in that scene doesn't mean he's not in the movie, but definitely not in that scene. Next up, we have a funny article from Movie Maker, this written by Tim Malloy. But apparently in a new documentary about Rick James, he talks about how he avoided being killed by the Manson family because of a hangover. He was actually supposed to go to the party where Sharon Tate and everyone else was killed, but had a hangover and did not go. My first thought was, really, do we believe this? But then you find out one of the people that was killed at this at this party was a friend of Rick James. So no real news there, just a really interesting story. This next story comes to us from Metro.co.uk's Lisa Wernstedt, or however you say it. Apparently, the Russo brothers are at a stalemate with Marvel in negotiations for their new project. This quoted from the article. Apparently, it's due to this lawsuit with Scarlett Johansson and Walt Disney that now the Russo brothers, and I bet you a bunch of other people, are now a little more concerned about going into business with Disney because of all this shenanigans. Another quote from the article, a report by the Wall Street Journal about the fallout of Johansson's legal filing claims that uncertainty brought about by the lawsuit has promoted a direct quote from the article. A report by the Wall Street Journal about the fallout of Johansson's legal filing claims that uncertainty brought about by the lawsuit has prompted the Russos to rethink their future projects. Apparently, there have been conversations about them working on a Secret Wars adaptation. So will Disney lose one of their more well-known directors or set of directors? Time will tell. Well, my future friends, that is it for the news. Let us take our first break as we hear word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. And we'll be right back with the trailer trove. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right, everyone, welcome back. We are back with everyone's favorite segment, The Trailer Trove. Avast, and welcome to the Trailer Troll. You know what? We don't have many trailers to talk about. Um, so let us just talk about what few ones we have. I will look and see if there are some new ones, and uh, I'll rethink when the breaks are in the show. All right, how does that sound? Well, let's talk about one called Runt that I was even going to skip. I was going to completely skip this film, but we don't have a lot to uh, discuss. Uh, this one I actually can't find a release th- a release date for. It premiered at some film festival earlier this year, Friday, Friday, February 29th. And it looks really dark uh, and unfortunately quite real. So we have this this nerdy little kid named Cal, and he is smitten with this with the most popular girl in school, because what nerd isn't? It just so happens that the most popular girl in school is dating someone on the football team and that the football team is made up of a huge group of gigantic assholes. Who knew? That's so weird. It is funny, though, as a personal aside, that this is such a trope in movies that the the 
sports team at the school is full of nothing but a-holes. But when I was in school, the football team was really nice. Like they were all at the top of their class, did super well. And not that the stu- not that the teachers were purposely passing them so they could play ball. We weren't that good of a team, but they were smart and nice. One of them is a doctor now. I guess my own high school experience was f***ing weird. But anyway, so he asks this girl to homecoming and her boyfriend finds out and kicks his ass and keeps kicking his ass and keeps kicking his ass. And this this little nerd keeps getting angrier and angrier and angrier and starts to get more and more violent with them, fighting back more and more. And it, it just seems like this is causing a whole bunch more violence in the school. And he's changing so much, it's scaring his friend. And the unfortunate thing in this trailer is that he has this girl that's obviously into him, that's a good friend of his. And and it's another trope that bothers me, because we have the nerdy kid, and one of his closest friends is another beautiful young woman. Like, the girl he's into probably uses filters on all of her Instagram stuff and has an hour-long makeup routine, but his friend, who's beautiful, is just one of those people who wakes up and, ah, beautiful, and God looks down upon them and goes, yay, for you are beautiful, and touches them. You know, knowing some on the head, nothing weird. It's just such a boring trope. But before I even go off on some another tangent, actually, let's just wrap this up, because it's not that interesting of a movie. It looks like something that could be very good, that looks like a quality film with a good story to tell, but also really, really dark and really real. The kind of movie you'd watch and go, well, f- that was really depressing. Super good, good performances, but f- I need to go watch like Shrek or something now just to smile. Uh, no set release date for this one, though I wouldn't be surprised if it hits a couple more festivals. Bruce Willis is in a new movie called Survive the Game, and it just kind of looks like he was an afterthought. Uh, it comes out October 8th. It's called Survive the Game. And it's about a man's life on his farm is interrupted when a cop and a pair of dangerous criminals show up. And apparently the cop's partner is being held hostage by these criminals boss. So this man who lives on his farm, I guess was some ex badass or something. He's played by Chad Michael Murray from um, One Tree Hill. And so Chad Michael Murray and this other cop go on this rampage, killing all the bad guys to save Bruce Willis. You know, those movies with someone famous in it. And you're wondering how the hell did they get that person? How the hell did they get this famous person in it? Well, A, Bruce Willis's stock isn't what it used to be. I still love him. I think he's great, but he's not an A-lister anymore. And even then, this movie looks beneath him. (laughs) So I think that what I noticed in the trailer is that a lot of the scenes were between him and the head bad guy just alone in a room. So I'm thinking that they only paid him to come in for a couple days of shooting and they filmed all those scenes and then he's in one or two other scenes. And other than that, the most famous person they got was Chad Michael Murray and nothing against him, but that gives you the idea about what kind of skippable film this is. All right. We actually honestly only have two movies left to talk about. Uh, the first one is called Red Notice. This is coming out on, let's see, November 12th to Netflix. And it stars Gal Gadot, Ryan Reynolds, and Dwayne Johnson. And that should tell you all you need to know. Like, really, that's it. This is an action comedy, and it's about an Interpol agent who tracks a art thief. Actually, he's after two thieves. One's Ryan Reynolds, the other's Gal Gadot. And he manages to capture Ryan Reynolds. Then Gal Gadot shows them both up. And Dwayne Johnson says, you know what? Hey, 
help me track her down, help me get her, and I will help out your case. So it's about the two of them going after a far smarter and far better criminal and uh, the hilarity that ensues. This gives me the hustle vibes, kind of, because we have this story that I I can probably see how it's going to end, that they will capture her and then they'll let her go, or then she'll come to them for a job going, hey, I can work with both of you. Here's a big job and here's why you should help me leading into a sequel. Or you know what? They do capture her, but then Dwayne Johnson like slips her a key or something and then fade to black. The point is, this is going to be a predictable but fun film. Exactly the kind of film you would expect to come out in theaters, but nope, this is a Netflix original. And nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. But this would have made for a great summer blockbuster. It really would have. If you like any of these actors, it's a very easy pick. But let's wrap this all up with Moonfall. Uh, Red Notice was actually going to be the last movie I talked about until I watched the trailer for Moonfall. It looks so, so good. We have a Roland Emmerich sci-fi original film. Roland Emmerich, you would know uh, for Independence Day, uh, Day After Tomorrow, the 90s Godzilla, which was amazingly ridiculous. He also did Stargate. He wrote the uh, wrote and directed the Stargate movie and then worked on the TV shows as well. Not Not a lot, but, you know, some of them. And he's working on a new Stargate movie. So a Roland Emmerich sci-fi film with... Halle Berry, Patrick Wilson, Michael Pena, John Bradley, and Donald Sutherland. Oh, more people. Charlie Plummer is in this too. That's a great cast. So the, the whole premise, let me let me just read this off to you to see how awesome this sounds. It says, In Moonfall, a mysterious force knocks the moon from its orbit around Earth and sends it hurtling on a collision course with life as we know it. With mere weeks before impact and the world on the brink of annihilation, NASA executive and former astronaut Joe Fowler, played by Halle Berry, is convinced that she has the key to saving us all, but only one astronaut from her past and a conspiracy theorist believe her. These unlikely heroes will mount an impossible last-ditch mission into space, leaving behind everyone they love, only to find out that the moon is not what we think it is. What does that mean? Is the moon a f***ing spaceship? That's all I need to know. You have now told me all I need to know. I love sci-fi. Give me more sci-fi. We have an original idea. I mean, even if it's been done before in a short story or another movie, it's not clearly a remake or based on a book. So I'll take that as an originality win right there. And it, lo- it looks so good. It's a disaster movie. When's the last disaster movie we got? What was it? Geo Geostorm, I think it was, with Gerard Butler? A sci-fi disaster movie, okay, with Halle Berry and Patrick Wilson, Michael Pena. That's great. Right there. That's it. That's all I need to know. But there's more. The moon can be a f***ing alien ship this whole time. That's amazing. I love this. And I will watch this when it comes out February 4th next year. Well, my future friends, as it for the trailer trove, let us take our next break as we hear word from our friends at the Watch Your Mouth podcast. And we'll be right back with the limited release movies stay tuned there are several ways to raise money for a good cause some do it by running marathons some host high dollar dinners and some just do it by clever internetting we here at the watch your mouth podcast employ a different approach 
wall-to-wall filthy fucking language. Go to a grocery store. I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, the yeah. did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every fucked up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of fucks and garnished with a crown of Shut the fuck up. How the fuck did we get here? Fuck all that. Fucking jelly bean. So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at wympodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. It is time for the limited release section. And the first film we're going to talk about is one called Catch the Bullet. This is getting a limited and VOD release. It's about Brayton McAllister, a U.S. Marshal who rarely brings them back alive. He returns home from the trail to discover his 12-year-old son, Chad, has been kidnapped by outlaws Jed Blake and his gang. Other stars no one of note and looks just like a basic skippable Western. Even if you like Westerns, it just doesn't look that good. He even has a tracker that he uses. And I sure hope, I sure hope it's not some white guy pretending to be a Native American. So let's just uh, step away from that. Next up, we have a film called Azor. This is just a limited, no VOD here. Ivan De Wiel is a private banker from Geneva who goes to Argentina in the midst of a dictatorship to replace his partner, the object of the most worrying rumors, who disappeared overnight. This is a film from Argentina, maybe? You know, sometimes it doesn't tell you in the trailers. And then what we have is we have to rely on other sources. IMDb will sometimes have a... um a country of origin listed, but sometimes, especially with non-American movies, companies from other countries will come in and help out, so it's harder to narrow it down. Either way, this just, it looks so boring. I was watching the trailer and I stopped it twice because I was bored and I forgot I was watching it for the show, so I was just like, nah, and then, then I thought, oh shit, I do have to finish the trailer. So no, skippable. Let's talk about another limited release, no VOD, for Small Engine Repair. Frank, Swaino, and Packy are lifelong friends who share a love of the Red Sox, Rowdy Bars, and Frank's teenage daughter, Crystal. God, that's worded really bad. Okay. But when Frank invites his pals to a whiskey-fueled evening and asks them to do a favor on behalf of the brash young woman they all adore, events spin wildly out of control. Based on... John Polano's award-winning play, Small Engine Repair, is a pitch-black comedic drama with a wicked twist and a powerful exploration of brotherhood, class struggle, and toxic masculinity. John Polano is the one who plays Frank in this. Uh, this trailer, if, if you watch a trailer, it has two feelings to it. The first half looks just like bros, just guys being guys, old friends hanging out. That's it. And then the trailer takes a really dark turn, and it's kind of hard to figure out what's going on. And if I was even a little interested in it, something that would have really killed it for me is that Lena Dunham blurbs it. You know, when you're watching a trailer, it has a quote from someone, usually a another actor or a famous critic or something. But this time they chose a piece of human garbage to blurb it. She's just such a piece of shit that I will stay far away from this, even if I hear it's supposed to be good. I never told you who's in this. Okay, it stars John Bernthal from Punisher, Shay Wingham from Boardwalk Empire, Jordana Spiro from My Boys, Josh Hellman from X-Men Days of Future Past, 
Ashley Atkinson from Black Klansman, and of course, John Polano, the, uh, the writer of the play. Next up, we have one called the Manson Brothers Midnight Zombie Massacre. After being relegated, the two fighting brothers signed up for a new game, but they didn't know that they needed to stay in the arena to fight zombies. What? What? Okay, you, you all should know by now that I, when I can, I straight up copy the premise from IMDb. If IMDb doesn't have one or it sucks, I will write my own. Because back in the day, I used to write my own everything. I, I The show used to be fully scripted. It wasn't nearly as good. Ask some people who've been around a while. A very try hard. And I used to write all of my premises out. And I stopped doing that because it doesn't really matter. Why use my own words when I can use the words that someone I'm on IMDb, I'm guessing someone that has to do with the movie, wrote. But that doesn't make any damn sense, does it? After being relegated, relegated, R-E-L-E-G-A-T-E-D, I, I copied this directly. The two fighting brothers signed up for a new game, but they didn't know that they need to stay in an arena to fight zombies. That's so weird. All right, this stars Adrian Pastere from Heroes, Max Martini from 13 Hours, Charlie Shotwell from Captain Fantastic, Randy Couture from The Expendables, and Bass Rutten from Here Comes the Boom. I wanted to like this. I, I wanted to think that it was just one of those super goofy looking, low, low budget films that would just bring you joy, but it looks really dumb. And I feel like such an asshole when I say this. I also feel like uh, such a hoity-toity critic when I say this. But the more former MMA fighters or the more pro wrestlers in a movie, usually the worse it's going to be. Because every once in a while, we do get lucky. We do get a Dwayne The Rock Johnson. We get a John Cena. We get a Rowdy, uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper, who may not have been a great actor, but he did some really good movies. And by really good, I just mean cult classics that everyone likes to go, oh yeah, I loved, I loved They Live. But really, the more of them we see in a movie, probably the worse it's going to be. Next up, we have one that almost made it, that almost made it into the next section. It's called Dating in New York, uh, Limited and VOD. After an electric one-night stand, two dating app-matched New York millennials draw up a best friends with benefits contract to avoid the pitfalls of their past relationships. What could possibly go wrong? So if you're thinking you've seen this movie before and it was called Friends with Benefits or that other one with Natalie Portman and Ashton Kutcher, you're right. Uh, a weird thing about the way this premise was written is that they were friends before. They they may have been matched on a dating app at one time, but by the time the movie starts, they have been friends for a while. But if you watch the trailer, you've basically watched the whole movie and you see what was probably the final scene in the film. So yeah, if you are interested at all, check out the trailer and then you can knock this off your list. This stars Francesca Real from Haters Back Off, Alex Moffat from SNL fame, Jerry Ferreira from Entourage, and Jabuki Young-White from, uh, he's not from much, but he's one of the main characters, so I kind of felt like I had to mention him. And to be perfectly honest, it looked like Jabuki Young-White and Francesca Real, they weren't bad. It, it doesn't look like they're bad at all. All right, we have the first of five, let's see, one, two, three, four, five documentaries, and, um... Let's just start with one called Show Me the Father. This features captivating stories interwoven with inspirational truths about the fatherhood of God. Look, if you're the type of Christian that needs to be patted on the back all the time and needs to watch these movies to reinvigorate your faith, that's fine. Do your thing. 
I'm not one of them. You will never catch me watching one of those awful mega church movies. Is Kirk Cameron in it? I probably won't watch it. Next up is one called The Capote Tapes. Using the tapes, animation, and new on-camera interviews with people who knew him, the film explores the impact of Capote's explosive unfinished novel, Answered Prayers. So this is a documentary about Truman Capote's unfinished novel. Go figure. Uh, it looks interesting. It really does. Um, I've never read any Truman Capote, but just from watching this trailer, I can tell you Philip Seymour Hoffman did a f***ing bang-up job playing him in the movie. This does look very interesting, but once again, it doesn't look good enough to search out, especially with limited theatrical releases. All right, we have one called The Alpinist. This one might actually get a nationwide release, but because I couldn't confirm it, I put it in this. Uh, because the website I use to find out what movies are coming out says it's a limited release, but the trailer says nationwide. But of course, that could just be them saying, oh, it's in theaters across America, but not a lot of them. Uh, this is about Marc-Andre Leclerc, Leclerc or something who climbs alone far from the limelight. The free-spirited 23-year-old makes some of the boldest solo ascents in history. With no camera and no margin for error, Leclerc's approach is the es essence of solo adventure. Uh, this is a documentary, obviously. And anyone who had a hard-on for Free Solo or The Dawn Wall should watch this shit. It's actually done by the same people who did Free Solo. And I'm pretty sure the guy who was in Free Solo is interviewed for this. Probably because they made those two documentaries and they did really well, especially for documentaries. So they're like, oh, I know. We should find another one of these crazy motherfuckers and do a documentary about them. Look, I think what they do is really cool. I, I could barely climb out of bed, let alone climb a mountain with no equipment but also they are crazy they are f***ing looney tunes they are an entire basket short of a picnic and watching shit like this just makes my asshole pucker like if you put coal up there before the movie after the movie i'll sh diamonds like that's how that's how it gets me and i just feel bad you know i feel bad for their family and friends because like they have these loved ones who worry about them and obviously they don't care enough and I know, like Fleetwood Mac said, you can go your own way, but maybe don't give your mom anxiety. Maybe. Next up, we have one called Hood River. And this is a really long premise. In a small Oregon community, a high school soccer team struggles to overcome class and racial divide in a quest for both individual and team success. While Domingo deals with the deportation of his father to Mexico, and Eric painfully learns how to become a captain and command the respect of his Mexican-American teammates, Coach Riviera struggles to keep the team together amidst the pressure of academics and athletics. This coming-of-age feature documentary focuses on the friendship and maturation of three characters and is set against the backdrop of, the, of a segregated American town. Will Domingo graduate? Will Eric become a leader? Will the Eagles win a state championship? And will I ever stop asking questions? Tonight at 11. This one does look interesting, but then again... You have to be some sort of heartless bastard to watch kids struggling and not be at, le at least a little concerned and supportive. And I think this also is a, is a very important topic because we have the deportation of Domingo's father. You know, a man who's not a criminal, I assume, because the trailer didn't say anything about it, but who's not a criminal, just doing 
just working. And now because of Trump era policies, not even Trump era, this shit was going on before him. And now we have a president who should be different, but is sitting on his hands. And then we have this white kid who's a team captain who has to learn to see past his white privilege to become a better captain. It does look very interesting, but just like with all the other ones, not worth uh, the effort it would take to try and find. And this last one, this last documentary, and the, the last movie in the limited section has a super limited release. It is one of those that is coming out only in New York and L.A. Uh, will it come out in more places later? Maybe. Will it come to streaming later? Maybe. But right now, only New York and L.A. this week. It's called The Wonderful Stories from the Space Station. And I didn't have an awkward pause. It is called The Wonderful colon stories from the space station this is about astronauts who reaccount their experiences aboard the international space station and this is a documentary and it looks pretty good but i couldn't put a movie in the wide release section that's only coming out in two cities i couldn't do that uh, i love about space i love science i love nature and normally i'd be all over this but it's a very limited release takes my level of giving a f way down all right, my future friends, that is it for the limited section. Let us take our next break as we hear word from our friends at We're Doing Fine with Robbie and Lisa. And we'll be right back with the wide releases and interesting indies. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're, We're Doing, Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're, we're doing, doing fine. fine. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Let us jump into the wide releases and interesting indies with an Apple TV Plus movie, quote unquote, I almost didn't mention this in the show, but I thought, why not? Because I do like theater. And yes, this is a live recording of a theater production of a play called Come From Away. This is about 7,000 passengers are stranded after the 9-11 terrorist attacks in a small town in Newfoundland, where they were housed and welcomed. This is filmed live on stage at the Gerald Schoenfield Theater in New York City. And sure, you know what? The, the only people who should be considering watching this film are fans of the theater. Uh, okay, let me amend that. Fans of the theater who have Apple TV Plus. Because I wouldn't really go out of my way to watch this. It doesn't look bad. It looks like a good, good production. I mean, nothing wrong with it. But the issue I have is that it's on this very specific service. And the hard part is to try to not let my dislike of Apple affect my scores for these movies. I'm going to take Apple out of the out of the equation mentally for this and just say it it looks good. I mean, very tiny stage, very small cast, but then again, but then again, it's not about the size of the stage, just like it's not about the size of the movie screen. But I've also heard nothing about this play, so there's no buzz going into it. And while I do like seeing plays, I have no idea what they're about. I oddly enough find myself thinking that I would much rather risk seeing it live for the experience than waste my time watching it at home. I know that sounds counterintuitive that, oh, why not watch it for, you know, free if you already have the service, but it's the experience of theater, you know? And even though I have watched and enjoyed quite a few 
theatrical productions recorded for the TV like Hamilton and like the Newsies, I'm not sure about this one. So let's just say Come From Away gets a 6 out of 11. All right, next up, we have a Netflix original animated film called Dragon Rider. A young silver dragon teams up with a mountain spirit and an orphaned boy on a journey through the Himalayas in search of the Rim of Heaven. This features the voices of Freddie Highmore, Thomas Brody Sangster, Felicity Jones, and Patrick Stewart. And if you have children, uh, check this out. It, it looks fine. It, there's nothing wrong with it. it. It's obviously a take on How to Train Your Dragon, and it even makes a nod towards How to Train Your Dragon. Like, the creators of this didn't even bother to hide it. They're just like, yes, we are inspired by How to Train Your Dragon. Here's our homage to this in this film. But even though this movie is self-aware and it didn't even try to hide the fact that where it got its inspiration, uh, it still looks skippable unless, once again, you have children and you want to show them something new. Dragon Rider gets a 5 out of 11. All right, folks, next up, we have a Amazon Prime original movie called The Voyeurs. Pippa and Thomas move into their dream apartment, and they notice that their window looks directly into the apartment opposite. This will set in motion a chain of events that will lead to disaster. This stars Justice Smith from Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom and Sydney Sweeney from Euphoria. Okay, so this movie looks 100% like someone took one of those smutty paperback romances off the shelf in the grocery store. Like, literally, the kind of book you could buy at a Safeway or Knob Hill. And then thought, I know, I know, let's take this smut and turn it into a drama with a little bit of thriller thrown into the mix. This is one of those movies that I only put in the wide releases and in interesting indies because it counts to me as a wide release because it's from one of the major services. That's why Dragon Rider's here, and that's why Come From Away is here, because even though I don't have Apple TV+, Plus, it's supposed to be pretty popular, and even though I've never met anyone that has it, but that's the only reason those last three movies were even in this section. The Voyeurs looks 100% skippable. It looks like there was an interesting idea somewhere in this. It looks like somewhere a good idea was present, and then it just got lost. The Voyeurs gets a 4 out of 11. All right, my future friends, next up, we have a film called Language Lessons. This is a limited release movie, and it really did catch my eye because it looks adorable. This is about a Spanish teacher and her student that develop an unexpected friendship. This stars Mark Duplass from The League, Natalie Morales from Parks and Rec, and Deshaun Terry from The Morning Show. So this is one of those movies that was 100% written and produced during COVID because it's all done through webcams. So these two people are FaceTiming or Skyping or WhatsApping or whatever whatever it is they use in this movie. And one of them is a Spanish teacher. That's Natalie Morales. The other is a person learning, Mark Duplass. And as this goes on, they form a friendship. And what looks interesting is that it's not a romance. Because it's hard to tell from the trailer, but I think Mark Duplass's character is gay. And... Even if he isn't, even if the guy living with him is just his roommate, or maybe his best friend who bought him the lessons, either way, I, I don't sense anything romantic between them. Though it would be interesting, I would like to see a romance played out this way. I would really like to see that. I think it would be very adorable, very cute. But also, I like these movies showing 
friendship, true friendship blooming between opposites of the male-female dichotomy. And the reason I bring up their genders is because how many times have we seen a movie like this where they do fall in love, like the movie I thought would be cute if they made it, but how many times have we seen that? So it is kind of a breath of fresh air to see a male-female relationship that is truly friendship. I think this looks adorable. I like Mark Duplass and Natalie Morales. Uh, I'm not too familiar with Deshaun Terry, but it's mainly just these two. And you know what? Why not? Language Lessons gets a 7.5 out of 11. All right, folks, next up, we have our only documentary in the wide releases and interesting indies. And why did this one make it and the others didn't? Uh, Because it's very current. It's a very right now movie. And that is called Fauci. A glimpse into the infectious disease specialist, Dr. Anthony Fauci, who has led the U.S. fight against every epidemic the country has faced from AIDS to SARS to Ebola and the ongoing COVID-19. So this is a documentary, like I said, it is getting a limited theatrical release, but may be coming to Discovery Plus. No, I'm sorry, not Discovery Plus, may eventually be coming to either the National Geographic app or to Disney Plus. Disney Plus owns it. I'm sorry, it's really hard to keep track of some of these things, like who owns what. I am pretty sure it's Disney that owns Nat Geo now. But the reason I say maybe is because there so far is no plan, at least not that I've seen, to bring this to a streaming service, but it seems obvious. It seems like the obvious choice. This has its run in theaters, they wait a bit, and then they put it out on a streaming service, either Disney Plus or Nat Geo. Because I think Nat Geo, just like Food Network and a lot of these specialty TV networks, you can still subscribe to their singular channel. But let's actually talk about the film for just a little bit. Uh, it looks interesting. It does. Because I had no idea that Fauci's name was known before this. I thought he was just some doctor who came out of the woodworks during this, just happened to be with the team doing the briefings for the White House. And that's how he got famous, especially because he he looked so pained and he looked so sad whenever President Trump spoke. Because <laughs> the poor guy... What do you do? The leader of the free world is sitting there spouting nonsense and you're just like, I can't, I just can't go out there and just deny everything he said, but I have to spread actual truth, you know, science. I feel bad for the guy, but I didn't know that he was at the forefront of the AIDS epidemic. So not only does this look really interesting, it looks brutal at times because it seems like he takes a lot of responsibility for a lot of the bad things that happen under his watch. Fauci looks really interesting, and it's a great thing to share with your anti-vask, anti-mask family and friends. Fauci gets a 9 out of 11. And that 9 isn't just because of the, yeah, f*** the anti-vaskers. It actually does look like a well-put-together documentary, too. Next up in the wide releases section, we have a film called The Card Counter, and this is a movie that's still classified as limited, but I think it's going to be a little wider than most limited movies because it does have quite a few big names in it. This is about Redemption. Redemption is the long game in Paul Schrader's The Card Counter, told with Schrader's trademark cinematic intensity. The revenge thriller tells the story of an ex-military interrogator turned gambler haunted by the ghost of his past. You know me. I I usually hate premises like that. And I'm not going to lie, I do hate this premise. Sell the movie by its premise 
And don't try to jerk off the director right in front of me trying to sell it. So who is Paul Schrader? Uh, You may know him uh, more as a writer, it seems. He wrote Taxi Driver and Raging Bull, films like that, Uh, American Gigolo. But he is a director, too. Uh, He did First Reformed, that Ethan Hawke movie, uh, Dying of the Light with Nicolas Cage. And I kind of wish I had more cinephile people I knew so I could ask them, hey, do you know who Paul Schrader is? To get an idea, like, is it just me? Am I too basic a bitch of a movie lover to know who he was right off the bat? Oh, I never told you who's in this. Let's do that. All right, this... Where? Oh, I lost my notes. Where are we? Okay, here we are. This stars Oscar Isaac from Ex Machina, Tiffany Haddish from Night School, Willem Dafoe from The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou, and Ty Sheridan from Ready Player One. So that's a good cast right there. I love Oscar Isaac. Uh, Tiffany Haddish in a serious role? Yeah, okay, I'm down. Uh, Willem Dafoe, always a joy to see. Ty Sheridan. You know, Ty Sheridan's pretty good. It's not his fault that his character in Ready Player One was a horrible piece of shit and that he was in some of the worst comic book movies ever to be made. Look, X-Men Apocalypse was garbage. Absolute garbage. I still haven't seen Dark Phoenix, and I, you know I will because I, I want to talk shit about it. But we're talking about the card counter. I, I like Ty Sheridan. Those movies weren't his fault. He has done other good things. So this movie does have a few things going for it. It is an interesting plot because we have this gambler this professional gambler who has a dark past who gets hired kind of by this woman who finances professional gamblers and people like that Uh, she gives them money to do bigger stakes bigger stakes and then they uh they keep a portion of their winnings but then it's not that simple someone else from william played by oscar isaac from his past comes out and says hey remember this asshole that we were in the military with uh, this guy who probably did something really messed up or caused them to do something messed up. He's like, I'm going to get revenge. And so Oscar Isaac is pulled into that too. This looks like a really dark thriller that's well acted, but to see in the theaters now, no, n- not at all. It is not worth it. This is something to keep an eye out for, something to watch later, most definitely. But for now, just keep this in the back burner. Keep this in the back of your mind to watch one day. The card counter gets a 7 out of 11. All right, folks, we have the next movie, which is the first nationwide release of the week, and that's a film called Queen Pins. A pair of housewives create a $40 million coupon scam. This stars Kristen Bell from Veronica Mars, Kirby Howell-Baptiste from The Good Place, Paul Walter Hauser from Cobra Kai, Vince Vaughn from Couples Retreat, Joe McHale from The Happy Time Murders, Stephen Root from Dodgeball, A True Underdog Story, Annie Momolo from Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar, Jack McBriar from 30 Rock, and Mark Evan Jackson from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So the fun fact about this movie is that it is based on a true story, something that happened back in July of 2012, or that's when it came to light because three women were caught having a a fake coupon ring that they were doing. And it wasn't just like, oh, 50 cents off this, a $100 off this. It was either a substantial discount or a free item. 
If you've ever worked at a grocery store or maybe some big store like Target or Walmart, you may be familiar with these. At work myself, sometimes we'll have representatives from a company come in and just hand out these free coupons. I still have some in my wallet that I'm waiting to use. And it is that simple. Get a free product. And what's interesting about this movie is that it looks like the people behind the film, the director, writers, everyone, is admitting that, yes, this is a crime. These people broke the law, but they're not necessarily bad. An article I read from Film School Rejects, uh, let's see, written by Will DeGravio, uh, also mentions that it's hard to feel bad for a mega corporation. In the real case, authorities estimate that these corporations like Procter & Gamble, Hershey's, stuff like that, lost hundreds of millions in revenue. But an average yearly revenue for a company like Procter & Gamble and Hershey's is in the billions. So is it right? No, it's not right. Stealing is not right. But also, it is hard to feel bad for them because we have these people who started this just because they were having trouble making ends meet because things cost so much. So that's why we can have this movie about these criminals played by uh, Kristen Bell and Kirby Howell-Baptiste. We can have this movie about these criminals and we can sympathize with them and we can even agree with them at times. And it is, it's even hinted at in the article and in the actual movie that they got rich doing this. And while that's wrong with them getting rich off this crime, isn't it also wrong for some of these billionaires and multimillionaires out there becoming so rich in part because they underpay their staff? Look at Amazon's treatment of workers. That's, that's almost criminal. So we have a good movie for right now for this, this time we're currently in, because there's so many things going on now. Because of those stupid Texas laws, we have this fight against women's rights. Uh, Black Lives Matter, a thing, still a thing, because it still has to be a thing, because not enough has been done. More and more people getting angry at these billionaires and multimillionaires as the gap between rich and poor grow exponentially. COVID's still a thing. We just, we have so much going on right now. So we have this movie that's just talking about one of those things and about these people that fought the system. So we're looking at this going, yeah, okay. A movie about people who committed crimes, but the only people hurt by it were mega corporations. Sign me up. So this does have a really good cast. I'm especially excited for Kirby Howell Baptiste and Paul Walter Hauser. Uh, Paul Walter Hauser, if you did watch Cobra... Oh, he was in um, Richard Jewell, that uh, Clint Eastwood movie from a year or two ago. He was in Richard Jewell, played Richard Jewell. And he was in Cobra Kai. He was that, uh, the older dude who joined Cobra Kai, who just shows up during the high school battle beating up children, which was probably the most hilarious part of the whole show. But what we have here is a good-looking true crime comedy. I mean, it's not terribly true crime, uh, semi-biographical comedy. It looks like it's going to be entertaining. At the very least, it's going to be fun and worth at least a watch once. I'll definitely watch this one day. I will not go to the theaters to see this because it, it didn't grab me enough to make me want to go out during all this. Queen Pins gets an 8 out of 11. All right, two movies left, my friends. And the last movie that's not the pick of the week is called Malignant. 
This is getting a nationwide and HBO Max simultaneous release. This is about Madison is paralyzed by shocking visions of grisly murders and her torment worsens as she discovers that these walking dreams are in fact terrifying realities. This stars Annabelle Wallace from Annabelle, Maddie Hassan from Mr. Mercedes, Jacqueline McKenzie from Deep Blue Sea, and Ingrid Bisu from The Conjuring. The Devil Made Me Do It. So this is another James Wan horror movie. And yeah, I'm down. I love James Wan. I think he's very talented. The Conjuring-verse, the Insidious movies, Saw. James Wan is a modern-day horror master. And I think his name should be on the tip of more people's tongues when we talk about horror. Because he is good. So this movie is about this girl who was adopted when she was a kid and her adoptive parents one day tell her, oh yeah, by the way, when you were a kid, you had this imaginary friend and she watches old videos of her and she, I'm not sure if she remembers it or if she doesn't remember it, but either way, it turns out that imaginary friend wasn't just imaginary. It may have been a ghost or a demon or some shit and it's tied into what's happening. In an interview about this film, James Wan said he wanted to do something different, yet not stray too far for it to be a little familiar. And I I think just based on the trailer, it looks like he did a good job because I see the familiar elements of what I expect from a James Wan movie. The fact that he, he sets this overall feeling, that he sets this over-encompassing feeling of dread and he'll set you up for something for a jump scare or something, but not do it. So it just amps up and amps up and amps up, and then he'll deliver something, and it makes it that much worse, or that much better. Oh, and something I didn't know about this movie is that apparently Ingrid Bisu, who was in The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, and The Nun, she is also a co-writer on this movie. So three people in total worked on the story. Uh, Ingrid Bisu, James Wan... And Akella Cooper, who is a producer on Luke Cage, Witches of East End, The the 100, Jupiter's Legacy, and she's working on The Nun 2. So this whole movie, it seems like it was written and uh, directed and produced by people who know what they're doing, and it just looks good. But it didn't make it as the pick of the week, just because I'm a little more excited for the actual pick of the week. Just a little bit more excited. But this still looks good, and I kind of wish it came out at the end of this month. I wish it would come out on the week of the 24th, just so it could go into October or hell, even have it come out on October 1st. Why, 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 why do we have horror movies being released all year? And then October comes around and they're like, well, why would we release horror in October? That makes no sense. I know, I know that, that that Halloween Kills is coming out in October, and it's going to be a big movie to go up against, but that doesn't mean you can't release it late September, or even very early October, just to get that Halloween crowd, the, the crowd who is so stoked and wants to set the mood for the coming holiday. So yes, Malignant, it looks good, it looks like a solid horror from a proven horror director, Check this out, especially if you have HBO Max. You already pay for it, so why not watch this? Malignant gets a 9 out of 11. And now, my future friends, it is time for the pick of the week, and the pick of the week is called Kate. This is a Netflix original movie about a female assassin who has 24 hours to get vengeance for her murder before she dies. This stars Mary Elizabeth Weinstead from Birds of Prey, 
Woody Harrelson from The People vs. Larry Flint, Michael Huisman from The Age of Adeline, Tadanobu Asano from Thor, Miyavi from Kong Skull Island, and introducing Miku Matricia Martineau, I think is how you say her name. So you may have seen this trailer, or you may have seen Netflix uh, putting this up in the coming soon section. This is about an assassin, played by Mary Elizabeth Weinstead, who gets poisoned. Someone poisons her! And there is no cure, she's going to die. It's just going to happen. She's going to die in a year. (laughs) Not in a year. Uh, She's going to die in 24 hours. That's all she has. And who had her killed? Who had her poisoned? Oh, the head of the Yakuza. That's it. Nothing big. Someone easy peasy to track down and kill. No, this is going to be horrible. It's going to be hard to kill this guy. But she is a trained assassin. And if anyone can do it, she can. So this is her quest. Her quest for vengeance before she dies. And it also looks like a a very well done graphic novel adaptation because there are quite a few scenes that look straight out of some dark graphic novel especially when she's driving really fast and there's a car crash or something just the way it looks looks like we had someone try to do a stylized honest representation of a graphic novel so not only does this have a good cast not only is it a familiar yet new enough idea that it's entertaining But it just looks pretty. It looks good. It looks dark, but at the same time has this kind of 80s-esque neon vibe to it. This also looks familiar in a very acceptable way. Because near the end of the first trailer, there's this line we've heard so many times in various iterations and various movies where this girl is saying, oh, you're all dead. And this guy's like, oh, there are 20 of us. And she says, oh, then you're outnumbered too. It's like, that's a played out line. We've heard that a million times, but it works. You know, it works in movies like this because we support the main character. We support the heroine. We're like, yeah. And then so we know that, yes, these 20 odd men are outnumbered by this one bad ass woman. I am excited. I want to watch this. And it is actually getting limited theatrical releases as well. So if you want to and you live in an area that's getting it, why not check it out? But as for right now, Netflix is a reliable source for uh, for another good assassin movie. We've had we've had quite a few recently, haven't we? In the la- in the past year, uh, most recent one, Gunpowder Milkshake, was really good. Another Netflix original. So yes, check out Kate with Mary Elizabeth Weinstead. I know I will. And Kate. Gets a 10 out of 11. All right, my future friends, that is it for this week. I will see you again next week when we are back talking about all the great movies and lackluster movies coming out during the week. So I'll send you along the way to listen to the other great shows you may enjoy. So let's wrap this up with a closing housekeeping. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That is somewhatnerdy.com. I would really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. And also, share the podcast. Share with your friends. That is how we grow here on the show. And then how do you reach me? That is a great question. You can leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. You can leave a comment on SoundCloud. You can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram 
at BilliamSWN. You can email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. And please consider supporting the show on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and also on the Somewhat Nerdy site. Be sure to check out the other shows in the network, Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Don't forget to support the friends of the show. You've heard their ads tonight. Please check out my personal blog, BilliamTheNerd.com. And then finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future friends, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future.